Hello, I'm Jake Lloyd and welcome to How to Build Community, a podcast and radio show brought to you by Aruka Network. That's A-R-U-K-A-H. At Aruka Network, we believe that every community is full of potential and we're a global network of local people working to unlock it. And that's why we have this show. It's a place where we can speak to people from all over the world who are doing things to unlock that potential or to solve a complex challenge in the place that they live. So, in effect, we're searching for the planet's best community projects, ideas and wisdom, and we're sharing with you what we find. This month on the show, we've got a friend of Aruka Network. Pierce Godwin is based in the USA, which like the UK where I'm recording this, is quite a divided country at the moment. You might call it conservatives versus liberals, Democrats versus Republicans, Trump supporters versus Trump detractors. Either way, Pierce Godwin is working to break down what he calls a crisis of division in the country. And he's doing it through something called the Listen First Project. We seek to remind people that that there is hope by just starting those new conversations that bridge divides, want to move us from this paradigm of us versus them towards a me and you, that personal connection. And, and that if we do that on scale, you know, we talk about one conversation at a time, but with enough of those single conversations um, taking place on a human level, we're, we're encouraged and, and driven by the hope that we can turn that tide and, and make a difference in the current cultural crisis. So that's Pierce Godwin, and over the next 45 minutes or so, he's going to share with us what he believes can be achieved by listening to those who are different to ourselves. So here he is. Yeah, I'm Pierce Godwin, and so appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast with you, Jake, um, from here in, in North Carolina in the United States. And, you know, my interest in listening specifically actually um, originated in an experience I had in Uganda, Africa um, in 2013, in which I spent six months uh, doing some work over there with a Christian International Relief Organization. Uh, That experience was preceded by five years working in Washington, D.C., loving politics, uh, working in the United States Senate, and then as a political consultant doing some message um, targeting for campaigns from presidential down to um, down to the city level. Uh, and I, I, I was very much the political animal. Um, I loved that space and 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 the vigorous debate um, and and struggle over the future um, of our nation. And, and there's a lot of good to say about about there. There are a lot of great people working uh, in politics. But certainly when I headed over uh, to Uganda for six months. It was a starkly different experience, um, and almost jarringly so. Um, that profound experience gave me a, um, a very different lens and perspective um, on life and what was important. And, and what I always come back to uh, is this idea that uh, that, that came from a book called Kisses from Katie, but but that, you know, in the United States here, we, we have you know, relative material wealth um, and uh, Uganda and, and some other spots around the world less so. But at the same time, in my six months there, I recognized that there was such a spiritual and relational richness there that, that exceeded what we you know, observed certainly of late uh, here in the United States. So that juxtaposition of lack of material wealth uh, in Uganda, but such a spiritual and relational 
uh, richness um, really struck me. And, and it came to a head for me um, after those six months and, and heading over to, to Tanzania and Kenya, where I know you do some work, um, and hearing that right here in North Carolina, which is um, you know a couple states south of Washington, D.C., we were, my wife Chrissy and I were going to come home and, and settle here uh, post, post that Uganda experience, that, that even here um, in summer of 2013, uh, there was a very um, hot temperature of, of rhetoric, rhetoric and, and a tremendous amount of, of rancor and discord going on. And, and hearing you know, that it was making the national news that my you know, sweet little southern town here um, had folks at each other's throats over political differences uh, was hard for me to stomach in light of that newer perspective it, in Uganda. It just felt more inane than it ever had to me uh, up in D.C. I was frankly looking forward to kind of getting out of that um, hyper-partisan and negatively partisan uh, bubble up in D.C., but but lo and behold, we had the same thing right here in North Carolina. So thinking about coming home to that, um, I found myself quite frustrated, and uh, and that led to writing some thoughts down on that bus ride from, from Uganda to Tanzania. Um, and those thoughts in a blog called It's Time to Listen uh, ended up kind of taking on a life of their own and being in papers um, all across the United States. And I realized that this really simple idea of moving beyond slander and seeking common ground and, hey, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we actually listen first to understand where people are coming from, their their perspective, their priorities, their experiences, um, that might be a good idea. I mean, th- th- this is an elementary concept. You know, we all, in theory, learned how to do this in grade school, but I, for one, um, didn't didn't take those lessons to heart. So it's a simple idea, yet it was finding, even in 2013, uh, an incredible resonance, uh, which was which was striking to me. And I always, you know, remind people that uh, now here in 2019 uh, in the states, uh, how things were five years ago, six years ago, and in 2013 seems kind of quaint. So it's only gotten worse since then. But but even then, this simple idea. Was was really uh, was really capturing people's attention. So we decided that we ought to do something about it, and that's when that's when we launched Listen First Project to try to encourage ourselves and, and encourage others to listen first to understand. So before we get into the the project itself, can you just describe? Um, so a lot of our listeners won't. Well, our listeners are all over the world. We've got listeners in in over fifty countries, and so a lot, yeah. a lot of them won't be familiar with u.s society they'll have, they'll know about trump obviously and things like that right but, right but, but tell us about this this division so the, the division you're talking about um it predates the election of donald trump so do you want to do, do you want to describe this what's what's going sure. on in society yeah and, and and it absolutely does certainly the the election of, uh, of president trump has has you know deepened um some of the divides here in the country and even perspectives around the world but but important point jake that it absolutely predates that. And I would describe what we're facing here in the United States now as a cultural crisis. I think increasingly in America today, we're not just disagreeing, right? Disagreement is fine. You know, variety is the spice of life. We're not going to see things the same way. That's great. That's why, you know, we have democracies and other forms of of, of sorting out those disagreements. But, but here we've moved from disagreement into this interpersonal distrust, dislike, and even despise for those who see the world differently. We're seeing that animosity for positions is becoming contempt for the people who hold them. Um, that difference and disagreement are, are really deeply personal these days, as I see us both raging against but also recoiling from 
these folks who are fellow human beings, but we're increasingly viewing them as enemies across widening divides. And in the U.S., that takes on many forms, of course, political, but racial, religious, economic, you know, generational, educational, you name it. Uh, all of those kind of fissures seem to be uh, deepening and, and creating more of a gulf. Uh, we've got some, some interesting survey research that says most of us here in America are seeing fewer things that bind us together today um, than have in the past. And we have very few often or even no friends from, quote, the other side, whether that's political or, or racial or otherwise. Um, and the rate of loneliness, on a more personal note, has more than doubled to nearly 50 percent, which has created what's now being called a public health epi epidemic. And I've seen similar research uh, out of the UK and I'm sure other places around the world. Ultimately, I think this is all creating a situation in which in America we're withdrawing from conversations. And of course, that's going to erode our relationships and understanding, and then ultimately, in my estimation, threaten the foundational fabric of the United States of America. Um, and I'm not the only one, you know, viewing this far from it. Roughly 200 million people agree in the sense that 75% of Americans say this problem has reached a crisis level. And unfortunately, more than half of us, 56%, believe it will only get worse. Um, and what's really scary is, is people are starting to talk about our condition rapidly deteriorating into what's now being described as a, quote, soft civil war. So as, as many of your listeners you know, may be aware, the U.S. had a civil war a long time ago. Um, and uh, this one's obviously on, on different battlegrounds and, and would not likely uh, take the same shape. But, but culturally, in the way in which we're seeing our fellow American um, experts are talking about this soft civil war. So it's, it's, a, it's a rough situation, um, and, and it's, it's only gotten worse, to your point, since uh, you know, over the last couple decades especially. But you know, it first grabbed my attention in 2013 and then has grabbed people's attention much more so um, even in the last couple of years as, as politics has gotten um, you know, even more divisive. Why do you think it's accelerated now? Do, do you think, um, is it something like social media or what? Yeah, I think social media definitely plays a major role. And it's been interesting, as, as, as I'm sure you know, some of your listeners around the world have, have noted you know, the various controversies around Facebook and Twitter and, and the platforms themselves who you know, sought to, in the mission statement of, of Facebook, to kind of um, you know, connect the world. But uh, but now realize uh, realize that they may you know inadvertently have created a platform where some of the um, the worst more hateful elements of of, of people more um, uh, more banal parts of our nature even my nature right I'm much more willing to to say something behind a screen that I would I hope never say to your face Jake so I think mean, uh, none of us are immune from this but but indeed that those platforms that that uh, seeming anonymity or at least not having to be face-to-face -face with somebody has made all of us a lot more strident. But then also structurally, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, even just our news websites and, <clears throat> and television channels and radio stations um, have created this situation in which we can kind of silo into our own informational echo chambers, right? We, there's been this balkanization where I can hear exactly what I want to hear from people just like me um, if I want to. Um, and in the United States, you know, back in in my parents' um, generation and grandparents' generation, you you had you know three major networks, and generally speaking, everybody was getting their news from about the same place. 
Um, and th- at this point, um, there is no common understanding of the situation or, or facts on any uh, on any particular issue. Of course, you know your listeners may know that the border wall is something that President Trump talked about in his campaign and has come up again uh, in recent weeks. And uh, you know, you talk to people on different sides of the issue, and they have totally different facts, totally different perspectives, and there's very little overlap in that. So, uh, yes, I think social media has. Um, has played a real role in that. There have been some wins uh, because ultimately it is people communicating. So while I think it's much harder and uh, and and can can create some uh, some real deterioration uh, and degradation of our discourse, um, there, there's some hope that that social media can also play a positive role. But absolutely, that that plays a role in it. Um, and, and I also fear that we're seeing kind of. Um, a, a pushing of of the envelope, if you will, in, in which there's this creeping normalcy of the way in which we talk to each other. So, um, you know, let's just take a, a recent, you know, U.S. example. You know, the president will say things that, you know, a, a president in the past would have been much less likely to say. Well, um, now that he may have said this thing, then someone in the opposition, someone in the Democratic Party, um, will will say something in kind has happened recently with with a new congresswoman and in, in, you know giving a profane response and in, in how you know she characterized the president um, and that's not to lay you know blame for that um, necessarily at, at any one side over the other but just to show how you know the ways in which we communicate and and address one another. That would have been absolutely beyond the pale, unthinkable years or especially you know decades ago. Now are just normal and accepted. And as you move in that direction, um, it's just going to take you farther and farther. So I, I fear that there's uh, there's kind of a race to the bottom. And I frankly don't know what the bottom is, but I certainly hope we're we're approaching it um, and seeing more and more people say, "Listen, this is just not the kind of discourse we want to have. This is not the kind of culture." Uh, we want to have here in, here in the U.S. and in so many other places uh, around the world that I've never seen, you know, similar phenomenon. Mm. And when this becomes normal, it, it, um, um, you know, you know, engaging with people in that way, and um, well, if not just remaining within your own echo chamber, it it takes a real conscious step to to um, I guess to listen or to reach out to people different to you. Um, so, yes. so, so tell us about the Listen First project because I presume that's what that's what you're setting out to do is to get people to to well to change. Yes, sir. We we are, and and to the point you just made, Jake. Um, that there's this other phenomenon in in the U.S. and 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 in other places that that's been called the big sort. So literally, geographically, we are less likely to be around people not like us because as as you know, as humans, it, it's very natural. It's not necessarily anything um, anything wrong with the idea of wanting to hang out sometimes or being more comfortable with people who, with whom I have more in common. But to your point, that means it is literally harder for me to go in and, and find and interact with, uh, someone who is not like me. So, uh, you know, on that point, I have a number of, um, of more liberal friends who, uh, said after the 2016 election, I literally don't know anybody who supported the president yet he won. Um, and that's obviously kind of disorienting for people when they see something happening um, uh, in, in society that they have no familiarity with. So you're exactly right. It's taking more and more intentionality because we, you know, geographically, never mind by information source, 
um, and just general ideology are finding ourselves more and more separated from those people. So you have to make an effort. And that is what you know, Listen First Project is encouraging you know, all of us, starting with, uh, with ourselves, is to take that step, is, is to uh, find opportunities to engage with, with people who, who may not be like us. You know, we're saying you know, on an everyday natural level, um, you know, just positively connect with people you encounter by listening first to understand. You know, we have this this pledge as kind of the cornerstone of Listen First Project that I will listen first to understand. Very straightforward, um, a lot easier than um, a, a lot more difficult than than those words would suggest. But but our our belief, the theory of change, there is that each person who listens first to understand tips the scales toward a stronger and more equitable future for society and better relationships in our daily lives. So you know we want people to to do that as they go about their day. Um, but also to your point, consider having those more intentional conversations that are welcoming people of diverse perspectives. And, and that does um, it almost take an increasing level of intentionality with every, with every passing day. But that, you know, it, what psychologists and social um, anthropologists call contact theory, um, the idea that if I know you, if I sit down and look you in the eyes and learn a little bit about your story, it's going to be a lot harder for me to hate you. It's going to be a lot harder for me to demonize and other um, you. Um, so that really is what um, our whole message is around in that we're seeking to encourage conversations that prioritize understanding, ultimately to mend the frayed fabric um, of America. And then, you know, we also have chapters in, in Uganda and in the Netherlands and, and, and elsewhere. So certainly want this to be, you know, a global mission as well. Again, just based on a, a really seemingly simple practice, but but listening first to understand and knowing that that it can make a difference. And while there are a lot of people, especially here in America, as things, you know, regardless of your political or, or, or other perspective, um, can, can seem a little dark, can seem a little hopeless. Um, I think an important element of this work is to maintain that hope. When there's a universally felt crisis of division and dehumanization here, um, we seek to remind people that that there is hope, even as tribal and hyperpolarized as we seem, uh, in that the experts say the solution is to cultivate more positive social connections, that contact theory. So by doing that, we feel like we can turn the tide of rising rancor and deepening division by just starting those new conversations that bridge divides, want to move us from this paradigm of us versus them towards a me and you, that personal connection. Um, and, and believing that, that if we do that on scale, you know, we talk about one conversation at a time, but with enough of those single conversations um, taking place on a human level, um, we're, we're encouraged and, um, and, and, and driven by the hope uh, that we can turn that tide and, and make a difference in the current cultural crisis. And have you seen this kind of change happen? Have you seen people from, you know, polar opposite corners or, or perspectives come together and develop this, uh, you know, a kind of mutual understanding or, or change of perspective through, through listening to one another? Yes, there are some, there are some really um, tremendous examples of, of, of people on, on different sides. One of, one of my favorites, because it was from earlier on when I launched uh, Listen First project was uh, when you look at uh, the issue of, of marriage and, and, and LGBT rights, 
Um, we have a, a restaurant here in the United States, which which you know folks may have seen uh, in the news, called Chick Fil A. It's a fast food chicken restaurant, and uh, and and their founder was quoted uh, in an interview several years ago saying, you know, he had a traditional view of of marriage being between a man and a woman. Certainly, that was at odds with uh, with the LGBTQ activist, um, and uh, and and some of those activists, uh, you know, came after um, him and and boycotted Chick Fil A. You had cities like Boston say, you know, this restaurant's not allowed to be here. Um, but the really neat, um, you know, outgrowth of that story is that, that Dan Cathy, the, the Chick-fil-A, um, you know, one of the one of the founding family members, um, developed a, a close personal relationship with, with one of the top LGBTQ activists uh, in the country. And, and that, that gentleman, the LGBT activist, the gay man, um, wrote a story um, about being you know, Dan Cathy's guest at, at the Peach Bowl, a college football, American football um, bowl game. Uh, and because they had begun exchanging text messages and phone calls and spent some time together one-on-one and got to know each other as, as people, neither one of them changed their views. Um, because, you know, those are based on some, some principled beliefs that each of them had, but they developed a friendship and they were taking pictures together and going to American football games together. Um, and that was, that was extremely encouraging. And then some others, we talk about, you know, the, the downsides and the risk of, of Twitter and Facebook and all of us just sounding off, um, on social media, but, but there've been a couple, uh, really neat wins recently, um, there in that, uh, Megan, Megan Phelps. Roper uh, is is from a family that was part of um, a, a religious extremist group here in America that that would protest in a particularly hateful and and bigoted way. Um, and and she tells a story of 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 sharing spewing some of that hate um, on Twitter. Uh, but there being a few people who would not just you know hate her in return. And this is when she's a little bit younger, uh, but. Uh, but would say, hey, I'd, I'd kind of like to know your story. Like, what, what's your deal? This is really offensive. Um, and 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 she now, you know, uh, thanks to those those Twitter conversations and their willingness to kind of rise above, and then and then her being willing to say, okay, maybe I'll get to know you. Um, and some of them were from communities she was attacking, whether it be the Jewish community or the gay community. Um, but building these relationships, and ultimately, you know, they met in person. And now she's out. She she's disavowed her her former formerly hateful um, views and rhetoric, and is out there talking about the power of conversation, the power of listening first to understand. Um, and has done a total 180 in, in that sense. A couple more. Real quick, Sarah Silverman uh, is a comedian uh, over here uh, in the States, and uh, somebody replied to a tweet uh, from her within the last year and just, you know, call it just with a single word, just a very vile, um, uh, offensive term um, in, in describing her. And, uh, and, and she chose, instead of ignoring it or lashing out, to look into this guy a little bit on his Twitter profile and wrote back and said, um, you know, hey, I, I, see, I see love in you. I see some potential in you. Um, you know, what, what, what's, what's going on? Um, and, and he wrote back and, and suddenly instead of just, you know, sharing this, um, instead of just attacking her um, in a very vile way, um, he started sharing some of his life story. 
hey, you know, nobody could love me. I was abused as a young man. Um, and she went all in on getting to know this man and getting to know his his pain, literal and figurative, uh, in that he had some back problems. And next thing you know, Sarah Silverman, with millions of followers on Twitter, is saying, hey, can anybody in San Antonio help this this man uh, with his back? And, uh, and so a spinal clinic in San Antonio, Texas, stepped up and said, you know, we got him because she is a, he has no insurance. He can't work. Um, and so, I mean, wow, the, the grace to, uh, to have someone attack you, but to be curious, to say what's really going on there. And I wonder if there's some good in them. Um, and if I wonder if I listen first to understand if this is something that could be, could be redeemed, uh, was a particularly inspiring story. And then finally, um, we had, you know, directly pertinent to listen first project, um, as, as some of your listeners um, may have seen, um, the, the, as the various controversies emanate from, from the United States, uh, we recently confirmed a, a new justice to the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of controversy around that, given some accusations of, of sexual harassment and assault uh, from his youth. And on Twitter, uh, somebody said, I just had a conversation with my 12-year-old son about the Kavanaugh situation because they discussed it in his journalism class. I'm so glad I was introduced to Listen First Project beforehand. Y'all, please listen to what our children think. This is a difficult and confusing time for everyone. So whether it's about a, a divide and, 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 and some real you know, negative partisanship going on, or whether it's a conversation with your kids, um, it was really encouraging to know that this, this just simple reminder of listening first to understand had meant a lot to this mom as she talked about a really tough issue going on in society with her children. Mm, mm. And it, 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 the stories you're telling make me think that, uh, well, the picture you painted of American society um, resonates with with what's going on in the UK, where I am at the moment. Where yeah. it, it seems to be, it seems to be enough to say that oh, that person's racist, or oh, that person's stupid, or or that person's <laughs> just an elite, and that be that's the bottom line. That's all you need to know. Whereas, right. um, listening, putting listening first is saying, Oh, actually, no, that's not the bottom line. There's a story behind, there's a story behind that. Um, would that, would that be right? Oh, absolutely. I, I think, I think that's beautifully stated, Jake. I mean, it's so easy for us to just, to just label each other, um, and to write each other off as, you know, I don't need to listen to them because they're this, that, or the other thing. Um, but I, I just, I have a certain, you know, generally positive view of humanity that, that to your point behind that is, is something else. That's not to say that, you know, that there aren't, you know, racists who have absolutely, you know, horrific, deplorable views. We know those people exist, but, you know, as we've worked with a former white supremacist here in the States, Christian Picciolini, um, you know, it, he's, he's helped me and, and many other people understand that for him, when he was in that position of being a neo-Nazi white supremacist, um, you know, he had what he calls potholes in his life. And as he has pulled thousands of people out of that um, dark, hateful life, um, he's realized there's always these these potholes, these these bumps, whether it was abuse or neglect, or he says even hyperprivilege. I mean, it can, it can look very, very different for different people, but there's something in their experience that that has made them 
that kind of a hateful person. And there's deeper psychology as well about all of us looking for belonging and acceptance. And unfortunately, if we haven't found that in healthy ways, it can be all too easy for us to find belonging and acceptance on a, on a team that is doing a lot of damage um, and in a group that is that is bonded by their shared hatred of another group of people, which is, which is of course horrific and it has led to to many travesties and, and wars uh, over the history of uh, of the entire planet. Um, but I think you're exactly right, Jake. That there is, there is, and you know, um, uh, almost everybody, if not everybody, that there's, there's, there's something there to understand. And and I would say everybody, because none of us, I don't think, were born hating. That's just not how. Mm. That's just not how it works. So it takes. I mean. We don't want to to act like this is easy. And there there are some people, there are some African Americans here in the United States, like like Daryl Davis, um, who uh, who will go around and talk to white supremacists and 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 talk to people in the Ku Klux Klan, which is you know the, historically the most you know racist element of of the United States, and 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 he will confront them directly and build a relationship. And listen to them and learn their story, learn their you know kids and grandkids. And there've been been many instances in which Daryl has has uh, you know been gifted, if you will, uh, their white robes that they used to to uh, wear when doing cross burnings and essentially kind of demonstrations of of racism against black people. Um, and uh, so there are people like Daryl who are able to do that. I I would I don't know that I would have that courage, and certainly wouldn't expect everybody in society to but but all of us you know uh can can address some um some person in our lives across some difference um and some misunderstanding uh with a commitment to listen first how do people react when you when you tell them what you do for a living because we live in a world where um you know people people want to learn public speaking and public speaking is this um you know this this thing loads of us want to be better at myself included um um and yet public listening is is um well it's a it's a, it's a strange sounding thing how do, how do people react when you tell them about your work a great question jake and, and i know you've uh, you've worked with with my colleague dr graham Bodie um as well who has studied uh listening for his entire career you know when when i uh, got to know Graham. I had no idea there was such a thing as a listening scholar. Um, but but given that, that that we were promoting this idea of listening as as a solution to the social polarization, it seemed like a good idea to 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 get to know somebody who who really understood the science of it. And and Graham will um, will agree exactly with with what you said that we're all so into speaking that we all think about you know that half of communication and listening just feels kind of passive and uh, uh, and and something that, that that happens almost accidentally but what you know what we would encourage and what you know Graham would would say from his research is that 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 listening half of the communication equation is uh, really even more important uh, Graham recommends an 80 20 uh, split where we are listening 80% of the time and speaking 20% of the time and and think about just for one thing even from uh, you know a, a selfish or, or productivity perspective if I'm listening 80% of the time then I am going to be really well equipped to make my 20% count and and to be addressing um, what somebody is is feeling and where they're coming from whether we're talking about selling something or a business transaction or promoting a message so uh, yeah, th there are a lot of people um, who may kind of think, 
oh yeah, yeah that's that's nice we should all listen yes that that sounds right um but eh, eh, a little little bit of a little bit of a passive um thing that that, that feels feels kind of intangible feels a little bit more um ephemeral even even touchy feely and kind of hard to wrap your hands around um but what what's really begun to i think create some of the resonance and interest in in this particular mission is what we talked about in in terms of people recognizing a cultural crisis going on and so being more likely to to try something that may feel like oh yeah yeah i know how to listen and um and i personally do a very poor job at it and i think all of us probably overestimate um our our, our listening acumen uh but when people are looking around and saying something's not right something's severely broken in in our culture and the way in which we're interacting with people um all right let me let, let me try let me try listening first to understand. And then all the research, all the anecdotes um, for you know over history, you know, come true, um, and, and we see, hey, wow, that really is transformative. Suddenly, we're having a conversation as two human beings. So I would say the main reaction is uh, is that yes, yeah, something needs to be done. Uh, there is this universally felt crisis of division and dehumanization. Um, I never, you know, have given much, if any, thought to the idea of listening, but. Um, yeah, I get, I get how that, how that could help. Um, and then that's when we, you know, get into not just this more ephemeral idea of, oh yeah, you know, listen, listen first to understand good luck with that. Um, but that's when we bring to the table some real tangible, you know, action oriented tips, uh, to do so. And, and I think, you know, as you and I have, have talked about how we get through to people, you know, who are convinced they are, they are right and others are wrong, which is certainly something that uh, many of us around the world. And I know in the U S right now, um, are, um, are quite, uh, self-righteous and convinced of, um, of our own positions. But I think the key there is to lead the way in making that conversation more about who you and the other person are as people, more than any position, more than any uh, identity group or, or race or religion. You know, who are you as individual people? Um, the many cases, you'll never have folks who necessarily respect or, or agree with a given position, but We've seen time and again that if we gain a better understanding of your values, Jake, and your experiences, that we can begin to build this relationship and to build the trust. And if you do have some hope of convincing the other person that that you're right and they're wrong on a given issue, which may very well be the case, um, that's never going to happen without trust being built up because we all kind of get in our corners um, and just come out swinging, ready to fight, and and in no in no mood to listen to your facts. Mm. Um, but but if we build up that trust, if I have um, from you know moral social theory, um, if I you know begin to sense that uh, that that you are that you're being warm towards me, that there is a interpersonal connection, then my intuitions can can soften and and can want to understand you and can want. To believe you, so it has to happen, and I know that this, this may sound um, a, a little a little ephemeral, but but research shows that it has to happen at the emotional level because our heads will just argue, you know, until they explode. Uh, but if we begin to feel that positive connection with somebody, 
then there's this idea of the elephant and the rider that, that your listeners um, can look into. But if, you know, the powerful element elephant that is our emotional, intuitional self will kind of lean in. And then our rational minds, our, our, the rider in this analogy, um, will begin to, um, to, to listen and perhaps to even shift some of those viewpoints and soften those positions and consider other points of view. But, um, you know, we think about how much larger an elephant is than the rider that may be on top of it. And that's, that's kind of the idea is that that, 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 that intuitive emotional response to somebody is going to, is going to determine how that conversation goes, not any sort of logical argument we can give anybody. So, you know, specifically to the top 10 tips for a listen first conversation and, and your listeners can find much more, um, that, that Graham, um, our expert on this has fleshed out at listenfirstproject.org slash tips. But, uh, but quickly the top 10 are, Allow others the courtesy of silence while they are speaking. Hmm. Maintain a calm and respectful tone when you are speaking. So those first two are kind of handle both sides of that coin, right? We're, we're mm. silent. I'm letting you you speak, and then and then when I do speak, um, I'm not speaking in the way that that we so often hear, and that is is deepening the problem. Number three, uh, come to that conversation with an open mind, ready to learn and grow. Uh, listen to others as you want them to listen to you. Listen to and consider others' views before sharing your own. Mm-hmm. Be present and curious rather than thinking of how to respond. Um, Jake, I'll let you know when I ever figure that one out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so many of these are a deep challenge for all of us, even mm. those of us who um, who do this uh, for a living. Number seven, fully engage, free of distractions. I know all over the world, we're getting more and more addicted to our devices um, or to other distractions uh, around us. And that's that's no way to, to truly listen. You've got to be present um, in that sense. Uh, this is a really, really tangible, practical one. Number eight, restate what you heard to clarify understanding. And when doing mm-hmm. that, use I statements. So, Jake, what I heard you say was, or the way I understand your position, Jake, um, because that's going to allow somebody to, you know, clarify or, or to affirm um, that you all are on the same page and you're not yeah. making you know, assumptions and prejudgments of people. Uh, ask thoughtful and respectful questions that are free from judgment, assumption, or bias. Of course, there's so much power in, in question. And then finally, seek to discover common interest and areas of agreement by focusing more on why than what more on personal experiences than positions. So whether it's you're from a common place or you like the same football team, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, that, that common interest can be such an important foundation, as I said, beginning to build that little bit of trust. And then just to reiterate that idea of it being more about a personal experience than a position or, or, or a demographic identifier or anything else that may be creating the divide um, is so important. And not just what do you believe, but, but why do you believe it? And if I and, and others you know, could, could have that little bit of intentionality and, and continue you know, seeking to, to employ some of, these, some of these tips and best practices in our conversations with other people, I absolutely believe that as that scales, um, you know, we'll be able to turn the tide of, of our interpersonal relationships at a societal level. Mm. Where do you think is the most important or where do you as an organization focus your attention in terms of the different levels of society, do you see the 
kind of community level as most important or political or organizational or, or is it smaller than all of that is it within does it start within a family where's the wh- where should the emphasis be do you think yeah great question jake um you know we um you know making decisions is hard so just try to do it all right um but uh, but we think specifically at, at listen first project kind of in in three arenas uh, society at large, and that's where you know we've launched National Conversation Project, which I can share a little bit more mm-hmm. about. But then yeah. also schools and and workplaces. But what we also we always want to remind people that you know kind of transcending and infusing all three of those society, schools, and workplaces are those personal relationships. That mom talking to her son, uh, because I do think that those interpersonal relationships, whether it's family or a colleague or you know someone you run into at the store that's going to be the leading edge in transforming culture so there are you know there are certainly different different places and different ways in which we can can target a message in terms of you know working with with students and, and developing chapters in schools or having you know leaders in schools um, declare that they want their school or their school district you know to be a listen first school um, which we have um, those are all great things. And, and obviously, when you just look at, at the demographics of age, targeting young people, I think, you know, by definition is going to dictate the future of our society. So that's going to be critically important for any change that we want um, to see to really infuse that spirit uh, in our youth. Um, and then, you know, the idea of listening first to understand and the expertise that, that, that folks have around that is so relevant to business. Um, so not only can you have you know a healthier workplace in terms of your relationships therein, but you know this idea of of listening first to understand is not just good for mending the frayed fabric of society as we talk about. It's also good for you know any conversation to make you a more effective person in business, certainly to make you more effective you know partner in a romantic relationship and all these various ways. Um, so to your point, Jake, I think. Uh, you know, you want to come from the bottom up, if you will, for uh, from a grassroots approach. Every uh, every in the United States and really around the world, um, the vast majority of successful social movements have been from the bottom up. It hasn't been some leader saying, "Hey, everybody needs to do this." Now, there are certainly certain places in the world where such a thing could be dictated by law, but in terms of uh, in terms of a, a social movement really taking hold and changing hearts and minds, you always see that it kind of grew from the bottom up, as as has been written here in the United States. Change rarely comes from Washington, our national capital. It often comes to Washington, and we've seen that in, in many changes, um, whether it be you know the the gay marriage uh, movement or or others in recent times. Um, it, it does tend to bubble up from the bottom. So we want to focus there primarily, but at the same time. Um, certainly politics here in the U.S. is the most salient case, the most obvious case of our failure to listen to those with whom we understand. So to the extent some of those political leaders want to use their elevated platform and their megaphone to say, hey, I'm behind this and I want to, in my role, listen first to understand, that's great. And we have a place for them. We call them listen first leaders, you know, people of some cultural influence. Um, but but ultimately, I don't think that's what's going to create the change. That's going to amplify the change. That's going to that's going to multiply the impact um, and help us reach a lot more people, which is critically important. But at the end of the day, I think it is about individual people in those personal relationships. And we've cr- tried to create, as you all have with the Ruka Network, um, 
you know, amplify and, and as we also say, aggregate and align these many efforts that are already underway. So we at Listen First Project are not the only people in America who have noticed that we should probably work on our ability to communicate with one another and that we need to to have, um, you know, healthier conversations and relationships. So there are now over, you know, 160 um, organizations in what we call the Listen First Coalition. Um, and we, over the last year, have created, you know, an overarching collaborative platform called National Conversation Project for all of these groups to work together um, in reaching farther and impacting greater than any one organization could on its own. So, you know, it started with, with what we called a national week of conversation. Um, and that happened in April of last year. And, and we were very pleased with the number of people that were reached with millions of people using the hashtag listen first on, on Twitter and Facebook. And, and so, you know, wanted to keep that going. So in creating national conversation project, um, we're welcoming more Americans into the conversations while also kind of putting, um, you know, pointing in the same direction all of the efforts uh, that are already underway. So we have these National Weeks of Conversation. We have what we call Listen First Fridays, um, in which we'll have an inspirational video message, which would, would be thrilled for, for any of your listeners to submit uh, to submit a message and go to listenfirstfridaysfriday.com. Uh, um, but you know that weekly reminder um, for us to look for those opportunities for positive connection, look for those opportunities for, uh, for intentional conversation. And then finally, we want to amplify any conversation anywhere in the country, ultimately anywhere in the world, um, that is inviting people of diverse perspectives to come together and revitalize America. So ultimately, this, this broader collaborative national conversation project platform um, that we've created with so many other groups is seeking to mainstream this idea of conversations across divides in which we listen first um, to understand that we would connect with one another, that we develop relationships and ultimately revitalize America together and, and, and hoping that, that many other societies around the world might, might follow the same. More information about that at nationalconversationproject.org. But that kind of that society at large level in order to reach the grassroots is where our primary focus is right now. Mm, mm. Brilliant. You, uh, you kind of touched on it just there, but but people listen to this who who think, right, I want to get involved. I want to get better at listening. I want to get involved with the Listen First project. Um, what, where should they start? Yeah. Um, listenfirstproject.org is the website. And, and as I mentioned, the great first step is just to sign the pledge. It, it's, it's right there on the homepage, but also at listenfirstproject.org slash pledge. And again, our thinking there is that every person, wherever they are around the world who listens first to understand, is going to tip the scales toward a stronger and more equitable future for the society in which you live and better relationships in your daily life, both at the big scale and, and that small scale. So if you're somebody you know, listening to this who thinks, you know, yeah, I, I would like to be a part of, 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 of interacting with people in a different, healthier, more productive way, I will listen first to understand and you know, I will do my best to do that. I fail every day, Jake, but we all want to make that intention to do it. Then, then just go to listenfirstproject.org and, and sign the pledge there and that'll make you, you know, a part of, of our community and, and, and communications. And then I would just repeat again kind of the call to action for – the Listen First Project and, and the broader National Conversation Project now is that as we go about our lives every day, you know, just positively connect with people you encounter 
by listening first to understand. And then as you're able, as, as your you know, schedule allows, consider having you know, even more intentional conversations, really sitting down and, and welcoming people of diverse perspectives who may be in your community, who you may interact with every day or who you may never see, um, and, and, and learn more about each other's story and, and find on a practical level, you know, once you get some diverse people together, there's a lot of power there to solve commonly felt problems there in the community or mm-hmm. even in the country or around the world. Um, so a great opportunity to, to build those relationships, have those conversations, and then really do something together. And then finally, talking about you know, making social media into a force for, for good, uh, would love for your listeners to share any thoughts, stories, pictures, or videos they have, uh, plus the hashtag listen first. Um, to both encourage others to join you, but then also that'll certainly get our attention and we'd be honored to, to share your thoughts and messages with hashtag listen first um, across the broader audiences that are part of the listen first movement. So I'd, I'd be thrilled for folks. We've had so many people all over the world um, as a part of this. It, it, it certainly um, it transcends the borders of the United States and I'd be thrilled to to partner with, with your listeners around the world. And as I mentioned, there's already a chapter in Uganda where Listen First Project was born and anyone else around the world who wants to join our global network um, of chapters seeking to, to mend you know, the fabric of their societies and the personal relationships they're in, um, please, you know, shoot us an email, um, Pierce, P-E-A-R-C-E at listenfirstproject.org. And, and we'd love to work together. Wonderful. Um, that's great, Pierce. I, I don't have any more questions. Is there anything else you want to add? Anything I've missed out? No, sir. This has been such an honor uh, to be with you. I'm, I'm thankful for uh, for you recognizing that this is a global message. It's not just something, uh, a need that exists in the United States, but it's something that I think um, as, as we're all more interconnected around the world, uh, many of our, our problems and challenges are um, are becoming more and more common as well. So it's an honor for me to be able to to share, you know, this simple idea with your listeners, but one that I think can be transformative to to all of our lives and societies wherever we are. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. That was Pierce Godwin from the Listen First Project. And you can learn more about their work or even sign up to the Listen First Pledge, as Aruka Network has already done, um, at their website, listenfirstproject.org. And speaking of websites, if you'd like to learn more about our work at Aruka Network, or maybe even become a member of our network, then you can do so at arukanetwork.org. We have a membership scheme that you can sign up to for as little as £5 a month. You'll be supporting our work and the work of our clusters of local people worldwide, but we'll also be supporting you. We've got a free gift. You can watch our training videos. You can access expert Q&As. You can join our mentoring scheme. You can get 15% off our training courses and you'll have opportunities to promote your own work as well. To access all of this, just visit arukanetwork.org. And I'll spell that again. Aruka is A-R-U-K-A-H. And that's it for this episode. Until next time, bye-bye.